0: Great, thanks, Luke. Okay, so we are doing Word Month, and uh, we're going to talk about a, a controversial topic tonight. Um, who of you love controversial topics? <laughs> okay, great. So I want you to open your Bibles and go to Luke Luke sixteen, verse nineteen. And what we're going to do is, you're going to group yourself into a get yourself into a group of four. And I want you to read one person, choose one person. First discreet the people in your group. So there must be at least one person that you don't know in that group. And then somebody somebody that has a beautiful voice, they're gonna read Luke nineteen to thirty one. So obviously try and do it in English if there's people in your group that, that can only understand English. Okay. So you can you're allowed to move the chairs. Groups of four or five. As long as you can hear then it's fine. Luke 16, verse 19. And then you ask the question while while they're reading, just ask the question, what is Jesus trying to say? What is he communicating? If you don't have a Bible, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Okay, so everyone has a group. Great, we're reading the Bible in church. One, two, three, go. So, if we, if we believe that, if we believe the Bible, if we really f- know that this is the authoritative Word of God, then we need to take careful attention that we read the whole Bible, And uh, we are very good at, hey, we like this bit, we don't like this bit. So tonight I'm going to talk on, maybe you've probably gathered from the story, I'm going to talk about the Bible and hell. I'm going to talk about hell. Have you ever heard a sermon on hell in the church? So when I was preparing, I I was thinking by myself, this is really a difficult topic to speak on. And then as I'm doing my research and reading through the Bible, I found out it's actually, it's difficult, but it's also easy because there's a lot of things being said about the hell in the Bible and, about, and even by Jesus. Jesus, this parable, is talking about a guy that went to hell. And um, maybe just as a disclaimer for this parable This parable is not saying that poor people are going to heaven and rich people are going to hell. That's not what it's saying. That's not the point that Jesus is wanting to make. He's wanting to make a point about what is really our priority in life. What should be the most important thing in life? And we know that most of us, you go through life and your parents tell you, you must go, you must study hard. Why must you study hard? So that one day you'll get a job. And then when you have a job, you'll earn money. And then you will be able to provide for your family. And by the way, that is re- that's good advice. Listen to your parents. Study hard. That's all part of being glorifying Jesus through your studies. If you want to be a worshiper in the school, then one of the things that you need to do is not only sing songs on a Sunday, but also do, well, in your schoolwork. You don't have to be the best. Just put in every little effort that you can so that you can glorify Jesus through your, through your studies. But This is a parable, and, and Jesus is talking about in, on the other side of death, on the other side of this line that we're going to all cross over, there's some things that are more important than other things. And the rich man realized that. This poor guy, he didn't have much, but he had it all on this side. The rich man had everything on this side, and his priority was that, the riches of this life. But on this side of eternity, after death, he had nothing. He wanted to go back to his family to tell them, Hey, dudes, you know your priority should be not what my priority was, but the priority of the poor man. So I'm going to read a couple of verses because we, it's Word Month and we want to go into the, just what the Bible says about, about all, the, all the different topics. So I'm going to read through, and this is verses on hell. So it's, it's hectic stuff. And sometimes we don't want to read the hectic stuff because we are afraid that it will take us out of our comfort zone. But it's still true. It's still true. So tonight we're making a decision that we're going to stand for truth and not only for what is comfortable. Because there's a reason if Jesus, who is the loving God, who is the the manifestation of god's love for us if he is talking about hell then we should obviously take note of of that because there is actually encouragement in the doctrine of hell and we're going to look at that later so i'm going to read through a couple of verses you can up there you can maybe take a photo or make notes so revelation 21 verse 8 it says but as for the cowardly so it's talking about John has this vision of what's going to happen in the end. And it says, As for the cowardly, the faithless, the destible, for, for as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake, of, lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So there's a, there's a first death, and there's a second death. And that second death is either heaven or hell. That's no... You can't choose. Matthew 25, 40, 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is beautiful. Go and read Matthew 25. So Jesus is saying, at the end, I'm going to come and I'm going I'm to divide the people. There's going to be, he's talking about goats and he's talking about sheep. The sheep, obviously, is following Jesus. The goats are not following, following Jesus. But listen how beautiful, but the righteous will be given in eternal life. How do you become righteous? By washing the dishes for your mom. Is that how you become righteous? Is that no moms, your doctrine is off? No, the only way that you become righteous is that you get to that point where you realize that you can't by yourself become righteous you cannot do this on your own and you're like oh Jesus I need you and by the way Christianity is the only religion that says that you cannot do this on your own whether it's Buddhism Hinduism Islam all of them saying you must work so that one day maybe God will say hey you've done well I'll bring you into my world Christianity says I'm sending myself I'm sending my son towards you and if you believe in him if you understand what he has done for you you will become righteous so there's good news and the good news is that Jesus died so that we can become righteous and what does righteous mean righteous means that we get into a right standing with God we stand, we we're in right standing with God. We have relationship with God. Matthew 10 verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So Jesus Jesus saying, again, Jesus speaking, he says, Hey, there's actually there's a good there's a good fear. There's a there's a fear that your soul will get lost. So sometimes the love of God compels us to be, to not sin. Like, I don't want to watch pornography because I know it's going to destroy my relationship with God and even my relationship with my wife. I don't, I don't want to hurt other people because I know that God values other people. And because I love God, I'm not going to do this. But sometimes it's only the fear of God that catches you. You're like, man... If I just lie here on my e-filing, on my tax return, I'll get lots of money back. And then it's not the love of God that's compelling you, but you're the fear of God. You know that God's seeing everything. And with that, that idea in your head, you're like, no, I can't do this because I fear God. Because that's a good thing. Fear of God is a, is a good thing. Then Matthew five twenty two. It says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So this is Jesus talking about hell again. And he's, he's making a point of the value that he places on people. This verse last year, really, we love background music. And Jesus said, you will not go to hell for not putting off your phone. (laughs) So, he's making a point about the value that he places on people. He says, if you're angry, you open yourself up for judgment. If I go to anyone that I know and I say, you fool, he says, hey, you must watch out. That will eventually, it could lead to you Going to hell. Why is he saying that? He's saying it because if you harden your heart towards people, because that's relationship, the people that we can see, you eventually going to harden your heart to God. And what happens if we harden our hearts to God? He says we remove away from God. Then Matthew five, thirty, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body. Into hell, so he's saying, Hey, take every measure to be righteous so that you won't end up on this side where the rich man ended up. It's all in the Bible, Revelation 20, verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found in the written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So there's there's a book that when we meet Jesus, when we believe in him, he comes, he washes us clean, and then he writes our names in the book. And that's a glorious thing that happens when we get born born again. And one day that book will be opened and it won't say, hey, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. Maybe the accuser, Satan, because literally the name Satan means the accuser. He will stand there and he would say, Colleen did this. She was a bad mother. She did this and this and this and this. And then Jesus will come and he will stand in front of Colleen will say, "No, I took all of that on me, and Colleen accepted my offer, and she is set free. She will go, and her name is in the book of life. She will go to heaven. That's how brilliant and how amazing our God is." Okay, so this is what the Bible says about about hell. So, yeah, probably here's your question. One John four verse eighteen says. God is, anyone know? Love. So how the hell did a loving God get to a place? Or how did, how did Jesus then communicate about how But he's loving? He's, there will be people ending up in hell. That's what he's clearly saying in the scripture. How did that happen? So have you ever thought about that question? Questions, by the way, is... Really good. You must ask these questions. Start with asking these questions to God. Say, God, I don't understand. I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand this. Speak to him. Go to, go to people that you know that, that are, that's living the life. Say, hey, tell me what's happening. What's happening in the scripture? So remember that the story of Adam and Eve. You guys, know the story of Adam and Eve? A classic story of how Eve was wrong and the man just followed (laughs) classic example my brother usually my brother says it's so classic it's the eve the the lady got tempted by food she fell for the food and the man fell for the lady it's still the same so and that was the biggest disaster the The worst thing that ever happened to mankind was when Adam and Eve chose against God. So now a question that should arise in your mind is why and how could they choose against God? So if God is love and He created us in His image, then we are created in love. And... His desire, because He is love, is to have relationship with us. And it's the same with you, a guy pursuing a girl or a girl pursuing a guy or being in a relationship. You need to understand that love comes from both sides. The moment you say, I love, it means that you are giving them the choice to say yes or no. Like some, some young guy, they come to me and they say, hey, I've heard from the Lord, that lady is my wife. And I tell them, it's amazing that you can hear God's voice, but that's not how love works. Because the moment you don't give that girl a choice, it's not love. You are forcing yourself on her, and that's not love. Because love, in its definition, gives and leaves room For choice. It is so important. So if you, if God created us in love and He is love, then He cannot go against His character. So He has to leave room for choice. And I know, because sometimes I look at my kids and I can see, whoa, they're going to make the wrong decision. They're going to fall off the bed like the other night. They were jumping off the bed and just jumping off the bed, and we were sitting in the living room. And then suddenly we just heard a scream, and and often we hear, hear scream screams on ours. We're like, hey, they're just playing, they're just playing. And then Nicholas came in running and saying, "Papa, Mama, Eva way up. Eva is vomiting." And we're like, "Whoa, Jacques, we need to go." So what happened? She was she was going onto the top. They have a bunk bed, so she was on the on the top, and then. Almo, little Almo is three years old. She's um, seven years old. He he wanted to push her off the bed, and as apparently he didn't touch her. That's and as she was standing there, she was going backwards, doing a matrix move, and she fell on the floor. So there, there were mattresses, but so they're jumping off. It's a fun thing that they do, and I encourage them to do it. She fell on the mattress. And, but, but she got such a fright that she started vomiting. And where, what, what was, why did I tell the story? <laughs> a choice, sorry, choice. So I'm giving them a choice to decide, hey, you need to make, because that's building relationship. Have you ever been in a relationship or maybe in a situation where you have a boss and the guy is just micromanaging you or your mom or your dad's like, you need to do this, then 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 you need to do this. Eventually, eventually, you're gonna feel like, oh, there's no relationship. I'm a machine in the house and I'll do what she says or he says, but there's not, I don't feel the love. And sometimes, hey, by the way, you need to just eat it up. And you need to say, hey, I can learn from him or I can learn from her, from my mother. And you, you'll continue and eventually the, the relationship will, will happen from that place. So love, by, by definition, it involves choice. And that's where the problem came in. Adam and Eve chose against God. So if you, when you choose against God, so you're thinking you choose for sex, or you choose for drugs, or you choose for just enjoying life, but you're actually choosing against God. So that opens you up to the other body. And the king of that body is the devil. So you're not in the kingdom of God because you're not pursuing God. You're not allowing Him. And outside of the presence of God is... That is hell. So hell, in its definition, it's not any burning like a fire. And there's a lot of people that write about it. And they go into deep theological discussion about what hell will look like. But nobody that we know has been there. Because apparently you can't come out of it. So I don't want to go into that. All I know is that if God is not there... Then that is hell. And in, in our world where we live, before we cross the line into eternity, we're already into eternity. When we cross the line, when we die, there's going to be a place where we are separated from God. So in this world, you are created in His image. You have a form of the presence of God. Even if you're an atheist, they experience God. They have even in, when, for instance, ISIS, there is godly things happening in ISIS. They need to at least trust the guy who's shooting with him. You understand what I mean? There's trust. There must be trust. But that is God. If you remove God, there's no trust. If you remove God, there's no relationship. There's no love. There's nothing of God. And that is the definition of, hell is we are completely separated from god so god loving god hell was never meant for for us it was meant for the devil and his demons but if you are choosing against god and choosing for the kingdom of the devil that's where you're going to end up and that is true that is the truth it is I don't understand. I don't know what's, how it's going to play out into eternity because my mind's not big enough. Your mind's not big enough. But all you know is that we have a decision to make, and that decision is to know Jesus and to follow Him and to live in His grace and His love and in His mercies and not trust on our own ability to be righteous. Amen. So how does the doctrine... Of hell, what I'm talking about now. How does that help us? And I'm gonna use. I'm gonna just point out two things. Let's grab something here. Can I get a chair? Say, you board a plane, and you're sitting there, and the air hostess come and she says, "Hey." um, Can you just, you need to wear this while you're sitting. So you're like, okay, great. Your mom taught you to be submissive to aerostasis. So you're like, okay, great. I'll I'll sit. And you're like, oh, man, this is so uncomfortable. I'm not really watch the movie. I'm just, I need to pray the whole time or something because I'm just down here. The brace position. And then later on, when the the airplane is in the air, you're like, no, I'm just going to take this off. You leave it there. But say the aerostasis comes to you and, and she says, Hey, Amo, can I tell you something? It's really serious. This airplane's going to fall. I spoke to the pilot. This, It's not a bag. It's not a normal bag. It's a parachute. It's like a great thanks. And you look around, you see nobody else. As parachutes, and you're like, wow, man, favor, and you're like sitting there. What's gonna happen? You're gonna go like, oh man, I'm, I'm wearing this. I'll watch the movie. Like, <laughs> I'll deal with the neck pain. Some people are gonna come to you. And, hey, isn't that uncomfortable? And you go like, yeah, oh, it's really, it's uncomfortable. But what you don't know, I know something. <laughs> you can see what's happening. In the first instance, you didn't know why you need to live within the limitations of the kingdom. You didn't know that. So you're like, oh man, I'll, I'll just do whatever I want. I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not going to study the Bible. I'm not going to fellowship only with or, or get good friends and, and follow. I'm going to just live my life. Do whatever I want to do. I don't like being uncomfortable because Christianity sometimes is sometimes really uncomfortable. It is. <laughs> Have you ever just walked past somebody or knows you, you know somebody is going is not far from God? It is uncomfortable. Because God's heart for that person is just in your heart, and you're like, no, Jesus, that is so uncomfortable. Sometimes you need to say no. Yesterday, i'll tell you examples so yesterday i just i wanted to watch a rugby and it's already nine o'clock in the morning and i'm like oh man i'm just going to illegally stream rugby that's what i'm thinking i'm your pastor. i'm just being honest here i'm illegally going to stream i know you can do it i've seen it people have showed me you can do it so i'm on the internet i'm like boom boom and i hear god saying oh you're preaching about hell tomorrow the fear of God comes on me. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna be a follower of Jesus because I know that if I tell you that I stream illegally, I stream rugby illegally, you're gonna go, hey, yo, maybe that's not the worst sin that any has ever committed, but I trust you less. Is that true? If you know that I am not doing or my my um, tax returns in. In the way that I should be doing it, you're gonna say, "Hey, I trust him less." So sometimes it's really uncomfortable to follow God because you need to do the right thing, even when nobody is looking. And that's where I had such a good example with my dad. So what my dad would do, we were we were mountain biking in a in an area, and you actually needed a permit for that. So and we we went, so we did a it was had to go over the mountain, there's a different route that we follow. And it was so easy for us just to go out, just to go out to the main road and not go to the office and pay our, um, whatever the permit cost. And we actually needed to, it's like a, a two kilometer or a kilometer detour for us just to get to this office, to actually pay the permit. And my dad's like, I'm this is the right thing to do. We're going to do this. So we went to the, per, to the office and we paid for our permit. Why? Because my dad knows if, he, if his conscience is seared, because that's what happened with all these little sins that we allow in our life. If your conscience is seared, suddenly there comes a place where you are so hard in your heart that you, don't, you cannot hear God. I was listening to a lady. Um, she was a pastor's wife and she was an alcoholic. And she said, looking back, she's like, "What did I do?" But she just, just carried on in this, in little, in this little sin, little sin, and then it became such a big thing in her life that her heart was hardened towards God. So the doctrine of hell, it helps us in times of temptation and suffering. You're like, "Oh, this is so this parachute is so uncomfortable," but you know it's gonna fall. You're gonna die. And then you will never regret on this side of death. You're never going to regret that you did the right, that you did the right thing. Never. Hey, I, I didn't push the limits with that girl. I didn't push the limits with, with my rebellion. Or you're never going to regret that. Or oh, I treated that person badly. I, you, hey, yes, that guy is arrogant. Yes, he is man, I just don't like being around him. You're never going to regret being kind to a person that you actually dislike. Never. So it helps us in times of temptation and suffering. Hey, maybe you're suffering. Maybe because of the right decision, you are poor now. Because your tax return, you filed it in the correct manner, and you now oh SARS five grand or 30 grand. It's the right thing. On this side of eternity, you're going to look back. Yes, man, I'm so proud of myself. I paid that 30 grand to SARS. Because that's what the Bible says we must do. And the second thing is I want to, Jay, um, just to play that video. And then I'll speak on that. Okay. So the context of that this guy's an atheist. And he's an entertainer in the USA. And... um he was handed a Bible after one of his shows. So he's an atheist and he's he's telling the story of how the love of this guy in this guy's eyes just really struck him. And then he's saying, hey, he just so, he honored this guy for being true to what he believed. Because he says, if Christians believe that there is a hell, there's a heaven and a hell, and decisions on this side of death, Will determine where you go after death. Then it is so wrong. He says, "How much would you hate? How much are you hating somebody that you don't actually share the word with him?" So, if you think of how does the doctrine of hell then helps us, it is yes, it will help us that hey, there's there's a heaven eventually, and there's there's a hell. And if we choose Jesus on this side, it will help us on that side. So obviously, we're not living only to get a passport into heaven. That's not what we're living for. Hell also helps us with our relationship with the people around us. Is that I don't want anybody that I know, I don't want anybody that I know to end up in hell. I want us to be a church that makes it really difficult for anybody that in George to go to hell because we are so loving we are prayerfully considering where we should evangelize we are thinking of how we can get people into church into small group we are praying for that we are confessing and telling them how we have been set free of stuff so that they can come to Jesus Yes, the burden is not on us. The burden is not on us to save that person. But we do have a responsibility to tell people. That is what God has called us to. And and all of you sitting here, you have a story. You have history with Jesus already. You have something to share. I love it when somebody comes to Jesus. Then I would ask him, "Hey, so tell me the build-up to this decision." And there's always a friend. There's always a grandmother. Always a mother. Always somebody that they know that had the love of Jesus in their eyes, and that it was all praying for them and was sharing with them. I was going on a mission trip and then coming back and telling them about the stories, not in a judgmental way, not in a condemning way, but in a loving way. The reason why I want to share with everyone and everybody is not because I want to feel better about myself. The reason is because I have the love of God in my heart. We love saying Jesus is our Savior. Savior. Who if you've heard that? Jesus is our savior. Yes, he is. That is such a true statement. And he's saving us from what? He's saving us from sin. But he's also saving us from where sin wants to take us, where the devil wants to take us. He is saving us from hell. I was on my way to hell. And all of you sitting here, and if you're a Christian, you were on your way to hell. All of us started on the same page all of us all of us are equal in that regard all of us were going that way and then somehow by the grace of god we got introduced whether it's by family members by a pastor a friend a grandmother to the love and the grace and the mercy of jesus and we said yes i want that and some of you standing here you know you're not living the life you're so full of sin but you've made a decision for Christ, and Jesus says, that is enough. That is, that is enough. And yes, if you die tonight, you will go to heaven. But some of you are standing here, and you're not sure. And the great thing about God is, God's saying, you can be sure. You can. If you've made a decision for Jesus, you can be sure that He is with you, and that your name is in the book of life. So we're going to pray this prayer. Maybe you... Maybe you're a little shy tonight. Maybe you didn't want to come forward. But just pray this prayer. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sin. I'm giving my everything tonight. I surrender everything, Jesus. I cannot save myself. I was born into sin, but by your blood I am set free. The curse is broken, I am forgiven. Thank you that I can be a son of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, Jesus.